0: Got depression, anxiety, talk about it with me. Strange, dreams, same strange, safe place. Therapy is great, and this ain't the same, but we're crying behind sunglasses anyway.
1: Crying behind sunglasses. This is the Soulfire Production. Hey, 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 sunnies. Welcome back to Crying Behind Sunglasses. I'm Katie Dahl, and this is a mental health podcast for cool people. And by cool people, I mean, you know, like, listen, we've got issues. I've got them. you've got them. But isn't it better if we can all get together and talk about them and laugh about them? I don't know. I think so. Today's episode is a fun one. We cover a lot of different topics, and it's a little bit of a long one, but I think it's it's definitely worth listening through to the end. My guest today is Riley Silverman, and she is a comedian as well as a trans woman, something that we cover in the episode. We also talk a lot about Dungeons and Dragons and how she was able to find her identity through storytelling and role-playing, which is not something that I had ever really even thought about, but it makes so much sense. Like If you're not sure what your identity is, then why not try it on in a game for a little while? It's a safe environment to do that. We also talk about executive dysfunction as it relates to ADHD and just being able to get shit done in general and ways to declutter your home and help your mental health. So before we get to the episode, just a little bit of housekeeping. If you're new here, please subscribe so that you can check out all the new episodes every week uh, and leave us a review. I would really appreciate it. After the episode, if you want to learn more about my guest or anything that we talked about, you can go to cryingbehindpod.com you can find our Facebook support group. That's right. We have a support group where people are all just like posting all their intimate feelings and talking and supporting each other. That's at facebook.com slash groups slash crying behind pod. And you can find me at Katie doll on all the socials or uh, the podcast where I post photos and clips and inspirational quotes, uh, at crying behind pod. So quick disclaimer before we get into the episode. I am not a doctor, so this podcast is not meant to be a substitute for therapy or medical advice. Uh, I'm just a person who really cares about your mental health. So without further ado, please enjoy. Today's guest is a friend of mine that I've known for a while, and I've just been So excited to get her on the podcast. She is in the upcoming horror comedy called Too Late with Fred Armisen (laughs) and Ron Lynch. Also is a very prolific D&D host online. Great stand-up comedian whenever we're allowed to watch stand-up again. (laughs) Please welcome Riley Silverman
0: hello how are you katie
1: i'm great i'm great it's so so good to see your face
0: (laughs) you too you're such a like like a ball of sunshine so it's great
1: oh thank you you know i I try to i try to keep it on the uh on the positive side look for the silver linings and things you know yeah how are you feeling today or rather tonight since we're, we're here at night?
0: <laughs> you know what? I well, I OK, so I just got to the very end of that HBO QAnon documentary, yes. which probably wasn't the best thing to like watch right before jumping on a mental health podcast. <laughs> but yeah, so I have a lot a lot of that in my brain right now, but I think I'm, I'm doing OK. Um, You know, I, I've been working from home for a, about a year now, and so it is really hard sometimes to kind of switch from like work mode to like life mode at the end of the day for like my day job and then also because I do so much online content these days a lot of times there's not much of a switch between like working and then other working and so uh to, but today was a day where I didn't have as much I I had a little bit more of a break and now that's now that we're finally past daylight savings again and we're back to the the like summer month scheduled or whatever. I, I'm getting an extra hour or so after work that it's actually light outside. So I can actually go for like a walk and get some of that vitamin D and stuff like that. So that's been that that's that's been nice. So today I actually I got done with work and I was able to leave the apartment and go walk down the street and take a little nice little nice little walk time. You know, little and stroll. it was good. Yeah. And it's a gorgeous day out. So that helped And yeah, so I I think having that is such a a thing because I I don't think I realized just how much I missed it until I came back a few weeks ago and we changed the clocks forward again, so.
1: Yeah, no, it does affect people's mental health not having as much daylight, uh, you know, seasonal affective disorder, like it's a legit
0: thing. I want the extra hour during the winter is when I want to have it at the end of the day. Because that's the thing, like working until five, a lot of times, especially in like November when the clocks had first changed, I would get off work and it was already dark. I was like, cool. I can't. And I had just got a bike. And the whole point of getting a bike was to be like go out and ride the bike and enjoy the day a little bit and stuff like that. So and the first few weeks that I had the bike, I was riding around after work and it was awesome. And then I basically brought the bike indoors when the light when the sun started going down. And right around that time is when LA passed its very draconian lockdown rules that mm-hmm. went into effect in the fall that made no sense. Mm-hmm. And one of the things in the rules was like Even if you're riding a bike, you could still get arrested, or like you can get a ticket or something. Really? Because it was like all forms of transportation are are banned. And and the thing is, even when I would go out, when I would venture out of the house to do something, like like go to the store or something, I'd see people on bikes. I knew you totally could do it, but something about my brain is like you can't go ride your bike because if you do, they'll arrest you'll get you'll get a ticket and you'll you'll be considered violating curfew, quarantine, or something. I
1: remember being super paranoid about that during the beginning of quarantine because I um. When COVID first hit, I got really scared and I was living alone. Uh, And I just like drove to my parents' place in Palm Springs and I was really worried. I was like, oh my God, are they going to stop me? Because I don't technically live in Palm Springs. Am I going to get a ticket? Uh, I didn't think I'd get arrested, but I thought maybe I'd get like a big fine or something. Uh, That's
0: what I thought too. Yeah, I (laughs) I didn't think I'd get arrested, but I thought I would get, I thought I would get a ticket or get like a charge. Like I'd be like, I'd be the one person they did it for. Like they're like, we got to make an example. We're going to pick her to do it too. You're our patsy. Wow. And it's just, I think also just when you, when you're, anxious about everything going on and then when case case rockets were case case counts were skyrocketing and everything was shutting down except things that weren't shutting down it was very confusing but i think there's just something in my brain that was like going riding bike is bad don't don't ride a bike now and so i did it and also it was dark and it was hard to anyway so and i i'm new to riding a bike i'm not i'm not an expert at bike riding so i was a little bit anxious about it to begin with so then adding darkness to it so
1: you didn't learn when you were a kid
0: i did but okay. i haven't i haven't ridden a bike since i was a kid i think the last time i rode a bike was before i had a car and then once i had a car well I so when i had a bike as a kid i lived in a subdivision of a suburb so it wasn't the kind of situation where i could like ride my bike into town or something like that it was just like around my neighborhood so i never really had because like outside my neighborhood was a very busy country like thoroughfare road where it was like very dangerous to be on on a bike and you didn't want to do that and so and, it, and nothing was close enough to ride a bike to anyway it wouldn't be fun to do it yeah so I never really was like i was never like a super like invested bike rider as a kid i, I rollerbladed more than i rode bikes because rollerblades you could just you know pop in the car and drive somewhere with them and ride a rollerblade around somewhere a bike's a little more of a commitment so but now I'm like well i live in la and I'm not going anywhere I'm not driving places for the most part so like i I got a bike in the fall. And, I, and I, also because when I had been working out prior to COVID, I, I had gotten into the habit of riding a mechanical bike at the gym because there was a, I guess all bikes are mechanical, but anyway. I <laughs> no, got, I know what um, you're saying like yeah, a stationary bike. bike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just used the weird term because there was <laughs> one at my gym that almost had like a video game to it, and like there was like those like just like dragons you chased around and got points and stuff like that. Ooh. And yeah, it was awesome, and it was so great to just throw that on, throw on a podcast, and go and like gamify my workout. Well, and that's so right up your out.
1: alley. That's up your alley with the dragons yeah. because that's actually beautiful segue, Riley. You are really big into Dungeons and Dragons and I want to know like I want to know everything uh I'll I'll share my personal experience Dungeons and Dragons um my current partner is obsessed with Dungeons and Dragons and it's probably on your level of knowledge I am a little baby D&D player like I think I got to do one uh campaign they're called campaigns (laughs) I got to do one campaign and then the world shut down and I didn't really get super proactive about trying to find an online one Um, but what I did love about it that was unexpected, I thought that it was going to be kind of like, um, Settlers of Catan, you know, and I thought it was going to be much more about the competition. But what I noticed, um, which is probably why a lot of comedians are into it is that it's really kind of like improv.
0: Like you're really, you're playing
1: a character and you're joking around and you're telling stories and like you get to be super creative. And I guess like, I want to know, like, how did you first get into it? um and how has it helped you if at all with your mental health um you know and like if you're a new person getting into it like do you have any advice i know there's a lot of questions but
0: no it's <laughs> fine you start. I, yeah it's funny um uh someone with attention issues now i'm like let me give me all my digressions at one time <laughs> uh i i think that i mean there are people can play it more like Catan. like i think that like d and d it's more classic form is very much like a number crunching and like taking your turns and fighting monsters and just like blowing through a dungeon and whatever. it can be very like a, a little more um like what we're looking for like crunchy and just like um but number wise and that's and that's the way people still can play it and it, and people enjoy that so sure. I, and it's more about rolling dice and that's great and i that's fun i but I am very much like you just described. I play it much more like improv and storytelling and this like collective narrative that happens with it. And that's why I love it so much. I first got into role playing games like D D when I was a teenager oh, and cool. it was actually a different system than D D. It was a system that was called world of the world of darkness. And it was very much like D and D had different dice system It only used 10 sided dice. Didn't use all the different types of dice you would use in D D. But It was a modern day setting and it was like vampires and werewolves and and mages and changelings. But in the modern day and it was like this whole like this premise was like all this supernatural stuff is happening just below the surface of society. And it's all being hidden from humans and they all have these codes to keep it hidden from humans and stuff like that. Right. And it was really fun. And it was very much storytelling based. A lot of people play it as live action role playing what they call LARPs instead of tabletop, which is like when you sit around and roll dice and look at each other. and was really into it. And then what happened was what happens to a lot of D&D and tabletop groups is you play it in high school and then half the group goes to college and you stop playing because you can't all get together to play anymore. And that's kind of what happened to me.
1: Because everyone moves away or moves on to other things
0: yeah and you don't have a group that's big enough anymore to do it or the dynamic is gone whatever the magic is taken away so I fell off of it I played a lot online still I would play it like on AOL chat rooms and stuff like that and then I kind of fell off of it because of that and then started doing stand-up a lot I out right out of high school and into college I started doing stand-up so I kind of made that my primary focus and then I had a period of time in the mid-2000s where I wasn't working a lot I wasn't currently at like a day job i I, my day job was substitute teaching and i was doing road comedy and so in the summer it's really hard to make money with either one of those things especially at least especially back then it was really hard to make road comedy money because i was playing like one nighter gigs at bars and stuff in the midwest well those places don't have as many shows in the summer because there's stuff to do in those towns in the summer that people go to instead of the bars so they don't need to sell tickets to comedy shows because people like go fishing or whatever. So And go to a lake and go on vacation. So I needed like a fun, low cost thing that I could do to pass time around. So I got back into role playing games for a while, fell out of it again because I had this weird anxiety that I was like, it's so funny to think about now because my thing was like, I'm putting so much creative energy into this game. I should be putting it into my comedy. And so I shouldn't play the game anymore. And now cut to me getting back into it a few years ago now like it is the thing that's like spurring me on creatively as I'm like things that I do anything else I do now is like being fueled creatively by the fact that I'm playing D&D all the time and like keeping myself in that muscle mindset of of like storytelling and, and things like that and character work and stuff like that so it's so funny that I was afraid of it for so long and it's exactly the thing that I needed to be doing to keep myself in the mode that I'm in
1: that's interesting well I think you got into it when you were in high school and that's probably around the same time that you were forming a lot of your ideas about comedy or Mm -hmm. about like creativity so it kind of makes sense that you're like coming full circle now
0: yeah and it was also a thing where that was a period of my life especially where i was really starting to try to like understand my identity and figure out who i was and role-playing games was a really safe and non-like baggage way, uh low stakes is what I mean to say. A low stakes way of playing like queer characters or trying to play like female characters or trying to like figure out who I was. And so it was like a way prior to coming out and transitioning that I could maybe like explore my identity in different ways. I remember, especially when I got back into it after college early, I remember playing like like bisexual characters and androgynous characters and and like characters who had gender issues or or magical versions of gender dysphoria. And it really helped me to explore and unlock parts. I actually wrote a piece about it last year for Nerdist about how we like a lot. And I interviewed other queer people about if they use the games as ways of trying it on. Yeah.
1: Because it's like it's safe because instead of coming out immediately and being like, I'm gay or i'm this or I, I you know i think i might be the other gender or whatever it is you could just try it out and be like oh i'm playing a character yes yeah, exactly. so that's so low so stakes that's so yeah. easy and even if it's not about your sexuality if it's just like a personality trait maybe you're someone who's super shy and you want to try out being more assertive i don't know i mean it's a very yeah. safe space for all of that
0: well that's what's so great about the fact that in D&D your stats are still like numbers based and you roll dice to accomplish things so if you are someone who is shy and you want to play someone who is more assertive like you can role play that out and you might be able to open yourself up to that while you're playing but even if you can't but you still want the experience of what it's like to be someone who can like talk your way out of problems if you have a good dungeon master running the game for you then you can work with them about it, and you. So if somebody's like, "Hey, I want to convince the guard that we are on his side, and we're just trying to get in," a good DM, if if you know your player is a little bit awkward or shy and might not be comfortable like improvising an entire speech, you can be like, "Okay, what do you do to play that up?" Like you you can talk to them, and you can ask them,
1: you can kind of coach them.
0: Yeah, and and academically you can like what do you, and they might say like, "Oh, I I changed my voice to sound a little more seductive or whatever." And then you make them roll for it and then the roll still can and even if they're shy, the roll could still say they win and they get that feeling of like, "Well, wow, I accomplished that thing that I can't normally do in real life." And that's great. So
1: I I like that. And I think like there is a really important part of the D&D experience, which is that the person who is the DM, like they really set the tone. Or the sorry is it DM yeah dungeon yeah, master Dun- dungeon master
0: yes. DM yeah they yeah set, set they they said the, the tone
1: table. um and okay very important question where do you fall on the moral alignment of D and D uh and for our listeners that's like you know are you lawful neutral or chaotic mm-hmm. are you moral
0: uh let's... it's lawful neutral or or chaotic okay and yeah. it's also good neutral or evil and i i identify as chaotic good if i had to say something i I feel that i i feel that i definitely align myself more with good or at least try to be but i don't necessarily have like a code or a element to it so and i I kind of tend to find my own path so I, i chaotic good tends to be where i find myself fitting most of the time
1: yeah I was when you say chaotic, I was like, oh, my God, is Riley going to be chaotic evil? Like, how, how exciting?
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> not only am I not chaotic evil, I have a hard time playing as chaotic evil. Like, I have a hard time playing, like, even in, like, video games where, um, like, uh, and then a writer, a comedian that I'm a fan of, a friend of mine, uh, Gina Ipolito, one time was saying how she has played Knights of the Old Republic, the Star Wars like video game where you can be dark side or light side based on your actions. Sure. And she's, she's like, I've played it like five times and I've never been dark side because I don't feel I feel bad being mean to people, even in a video game. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's funny because I think when I was younger, I may have been more like chaotic neutral because I thought that being like snarky and being kind of mean was funny. And it's a thing that I don't like about my past self anymore. And like a thing that I've tried to get away from and try to be less. And I, I still fall into it. I think there's like that, that Internet especially gives you that motivation to dunk when you get the chance to. And I, mean, oh, I still do occasionally, but I don't think it's funny to like hurt people's feelings in the way that I think I might have when I was younger or yeah. I think, I was, I, think I was, younger. I kind of thought of it more as like, Hey, we're all in on this. We're all just busting chops or whatever. And then I, I realized like, no, a lot of people actually don't like that. And it actually ruins their day and you, you're kind of being a bull. And I was bullied a lot in high school. So I like the idea that I was then doing the same thing to other people as an adult really bums me out. So I'm trying to like not be that person anymore. And so. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That, that resonates for sure. Actually, when I was, um, researching uh yesterday before we got on the call um i was listening to you talk on a different podcast i can't remember the name of it i'll put it in notes uh but it was you were talking about uh they were like ask a trans person anything
0: right oh i remember that yeah 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 i can't remember what show that was i can't remember what that overall show was called but they like brought me into yeah
1: yeah and i remember you saying which i thought was so interesting that before you uh came out that you were kind of like a bitter and like m- mean person or your your comedy had like this darkness to it. And then all of a sudden, like once you were out as yourself and living as a woman, like things became kind of happier for you.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I think I was not only in my comedy, I think I was like just a bad person to know before I came out. <laughs> and then I think and I had people tell me like they they talked about my coming out as like my comedy face turn in wrestling terms. Like I went from being a villain to a hero because I like wasn't mad at the world anymore. And I wasn't miserable inside all the time.
1: Yeah. So that that's so interesting and like really cool that your friends could reflect that back to you. Yeah, totally. Um, and I wanted to go back also on so with the Dungeons and Dragons, like trying on all these different identities. Um, I know you're super into cosplay as well. Was that kind of um like a gateway into you being able to feel comfortable um in like your your female identity and being able to do that publicly?
0: Actually, I think cosplay really came around afterward a little bit. I mean, I was interested in the idea of cosplay. Like, obviously, I, I definitely wore costumes when I was younger, Sure. and I would I would look for opportunities to wear like like costumes for like female characters and stuff like that. And it was really easy to play it off. Like, oh, isn't this hilarious if I do this? Like, I remember being in junior high and having this really strong desire to play, to dress up as Poison Ivy for Halloween. And not doing it because I got chickened out, and I was I went, I went as Jim Carrey's Riddler instead. But I wanted to be Uma Thurman's Poison Ivy so badly. Have um, you done it yet? I haven't done that one. I've done, I've done, a, I've done a low rent Poison Ivy. It's still one of my like list of costumes I want to try to achieve. But it's also one you have to be real comfortable with your body to do a poison ivy cosplay and i am not so no that's I,
1: like a i mean i'm trying to think i mean that's like a like a cat suit almost right it's yeah it's basically a leotard, to the yeah. It's a leotard. it's a just... leotard
0: a pair of tights and a lot of plant aesthetics and so you could do <laughs> versions of it so i'd like to find a version of that i'd be comfortable with but i would still feel like i was being like authentic enough to i've never so like in cosplay i'm not like a hardcore cosplayer i'm like a very like like hobbyist cosplayer at best but there are some people who take it very seriously and get really into if your stuff is screen accurate or not and for me it's like i don't have the money or the time to put into that and that's not what i'm into it for so and also being kind of a fat trans woman it's really hard to be like oh i'm gonna look just like this character so instead i'm gonna do what's my fun interpretation of the character and like put it through my filter
1: but i think that's more fun anyway because i think too creative you get to show your individual style um, like, you know, I think that that's more fun, uh,
0: in my, for me, opinion. it is. And uh, yeah, um, some people and like, I have no people who actually like to put the time and energy into like screen accuracy for them. It's in my opinion, it's, it's kind of like people who like to fix up old cars in the garage. Like, yes, yeah. it's a financial commitment, but that's like, that's like their focus of their energy. So I get it for them why it's like that. It's just not what clicks it for me.
1: Hey, sunnies, just a little break here to tell you about my favorite counseling service, which also happens to be a sponsor of this podcast, BetterHelp. Now, you might be asking me, Katie, what the heck is BetterHelp? Well, I'm here to tell you. It is the largest online counseling platform worldwide, and they are changing the way that people get help because you can do it from the comfort of your own home, and it's super easy. Uh, And all of the counselors on BetterHelp are licensed, trained, experienced, actual psychologists. They're not just like some wackadoos on the internet like me. (laughs) Uh, They actually know their stuff. And when you sign up, you get to take a quiz um, and you talk about whatever it is that you need help with, whether that's anxiety, depression, what kind of therapy you want to do. And they will match you with a counselor very quickly, and you can get started on your therapy journey. So let me support you and I will give you 10% off of your first month if you go to betterhelp.com slash cryingbehindpod. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash cryingbehindpod. And it's a special offer for my Sunday's listeners that I'm really proud to do because the main reason I started this podcast was to make a difference, be able to destigmatize these conversations around mental health. So, you know, therapy is not just for crazy people. It's for people like you. Like I said, betterhelp.com slash cryingbehindpod and you will get 10% off. Ew. We've talked about this before uh, that you have ADHD, right? Or you, you, yeah. you've, dealt, you've dealt with that in your
0: life. I, mean, I, I have attention issues. I don't, I don't know if I'm 100% sure that I have ADHD, but I have a lot of the symptoms of like what I, I I'm not clinically diagnosed. So I feel awkward when I'm saying that I have it because I'm like, am I appropriating it? I don't know. But when I, when I read up on the symptoms of what inattentive ADHD does to you, it feels very much like what I've got. But I find that as an adult, it's extremely hard to actually get diagnosed with it it feels like. it is so.
1: i mean in my opinion with just like the research that i've done on it um or other disorders that people can either self-diagnose or go to a doctor for like if you read through an entire list of symptoms and you're checking off all those boxes it's good enough for me
0: yeah i feel like <laughs> i feel like I, I i still feel weird about it but i i i also like At the very least, I have a lot of these symptoms and a lot of I struggle I struggle with the them. So I feel like I feel for the most part, I will casually say that I have ADHD, but since this is a mental health podcast, I feel like I have to be a little bit more like strict about my like yeah.
1: More technical. Yeah, Yeah, I get it. Self diagnose. But so with that, I've noticed like I like transparency. Yes, yes. No, I like that. I think it's good because I think people at home can decide, like, oh, do I want to self diagnose? Do I want to go to a doctor? I mean Yeah whatever you feel
0: um 100%
1: cuz for me it was like i think uh i didn't realize i had anxiety and panic attacks until i went to the hospital and they were like oh you're not having a heart attack you're just having a panic attack and i was like oh good to know uh <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll 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 take that they'll take that note uh so my question was like i've noticed that a lot of um creative or like highly gifted people tend to, like there's there's a Venn diagram of people with ADD and people who are super creative and like do you feel like it, it, it is more helpful or hurtful for you? Like when you're trying to write or come up with ideas?
0: I think for the most part, for me, it's more hurtful for completing ideas. I think that I can come up with ideas until the cows come home, but it's really, really hard for me to take an idea that I've thought of and bring it to fruition. Like, I think that's part of, honestly part of why i'm so drawn to D and like improv and stuff like that is that there's a little bit less pressure of trying to like carry a narrative by myself to the end and there's like a lot more collaboration to it mm. i think that i do way better in collaboration than like, i feel like unfortunately if i'm left alone to my own devices to like write and finish something i probably won't because i just like get i get distracted or i get down on it and then when i get down on it i stop thinking about it or i don't want to think about it i put it away and i forget about it it's so like i have i have countless started and never finished novels sitting in files on my computer really but, but yeah but if somebody like sits down with me and we work on like a screen like a treatment together we can crank out a screenplay like it's great and so it's very tough for me sometimes because i think that like that i i, I one of the one of the symptoms that i really struggle with a lot is executive dysfunction mm-hmm. and once i learned that was a thing and what it was it was like watching one of those movies where someone goes back and the mystery is revealed and they see all the clues for it throughout the story leading up to it you
1: just like your whole life flashes before your eyes and you're like every time you try to study for a test every time you try to write a paper whatever you're like oh my god it's all making sense i see the matrix
0: yeah and the amount of times when there's like a task that I have to do that. I want to do, and I know that I need to do it. And then I won't do it, and I will instead do something that I actually like doing less, just because like I like I just can't get from A to B sometimes. And I remember reading a cool meme recently that was like about good, and this is paraphrasing, so I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was like good coffee days and bad coffee days, and how like on a good coffee day the steps like when you're like "I I gotta make coffee, and that's what. Like I, I'm making coffee. That's the step: make coffee. Whereas on some days it's like you've got to measure out the water, you've got to pour in the the grounds, and then start press the button. And then other days it's like measure out three tablespoons, pour those in, get the water, gets four cups of water. Take the... so like the, like your brain just tells you how much work it's going to be, and then you just don't do it. Mm. And then it's funny. I recently read that one of the tricks to overcoming executive dysfunction is when you know you're feeling it. If instead of saying like, why aren't you doing this? When are you, why aren't you doing this? What, go do it. Why aren't you doing it? If instead you go, well, when are you going to start doing it? That will switch your brain a little bit to like, instead of like saying, okay, I'll do it later. Like if, like if you're like in bed and you want to get out of bed and you can't get out of bed and you go, okay, when are you going to get out of bed? That will make me get out of bed instead of just saying, get out of bed over and over again.
1: Yeah. Well, it's interesting the way you phrased it because the way we talk to ourselves is so important. And I think like having that negative self-talk and beating ourselves up, like it's not going to solve the problem. Right. Uh, And like the first way you were talking about is like, why aren't you doing this? Like, and I I would imagine that that could spiral into like, you're a loser. You're a bad person. Like you're never going to accomplish anything, blah, 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 blah. Right. But if you just say when, like time is not like that has nothing to do with me. Right. It's just choosing what time I'm going to go do something. And it kind of makes it less personal. Mm -hmm. in a way so i think that's a really cool trick because i was actually going to ask you like how do you get out of that um and also for our listeners in case anybody doesn't know what executive dysfunction is i looked it up just so i could like give a little bit of a definition a term used to describe this range of cognitive behavioral and emotional difficulties which can often occur as a result of another disorder or um traumatic brain injury individuals with executive dysfunction struggle with planning problem solving organization and time management And so I think that it's a symptom of something like, you know, I think anybody could not anybody, but like you don't necessarily have to have ADHD to have this. Like, I feel like. Right. A lot of people could could have this problem on on any given day. Uh, And it, it can be really hard to overcome, I think, especially with covid, like working from home, there's less external factors to be able to motivate ourselves.
0: Yeah. Totally. And like a, a good example of it is like you said, like the organizing and stuff like that. I am extremely cluttery and I always have been. And it's really easy for me to stay cluttery because I'm very much like out of sight, out of mind. So if I get up and leave my bedroom in the morning, I'll know my room's a mess or cluttery when I leave my room and I'll go down and I'll work at my off my my home office desk all day. And then I go back to my room. At the end of the day, I'm tired. I don't feel like cleaning today. So I, I don't do it. And then next morning, I, the cycle begins again, where I just because I'm not doing it in this moment, it's not going to get mm-hmm. done. And because I don't have anybody else who's like, I, I like what I'm so weird in that, like. Shared spaces, if I'm sharing a space with someone, I will be very active and conscious about cleaning. Well, I don't bed. think that's weird, though. I mean, but when it's my I'm... own space, I'm not. And, and it's weird. It's funny to me when I watch when I've like started to mentally claim a space as my space it gets more and more cluttery. But when I have a space that's shared, I'm like very diligent and frustrated when people don't clean. And when I was, so I, I was dating someone earlier this year and I had gone home to Ohio for the summer to be closer to family during quarantine. Sure. And I was living with my ex and I definitely, you know, I had a couple spots in the apartment where I might like pile stuff up on like a table. But for the most part, I was always very much like putting things away and cleaning, putting things at like in the morning, I make sure things were going back in their bags and stuff like that. Whereas... Now that I'm back at my place, I just, my my computer desk is like becoming more and more like, this is where my microphone sits and this is where this goes. And that's just kind of what's what happens.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I think it's really normal though. Like I think when you, when you, when you know that your messiness is going to affect someone else, then you're more self-conscious about it versus like, you don't want to just do it for yourself, you know?
0: Yeah. And I wish I could do it for myself because I know that it helps my mental health when I, I do have a nicer space. And when I feel like I'm not, living in like my own clutter like i'm i'm i have a very distinct line between clutter and filth sure. like, i get really frustrated with anything that's like gonna grow mold or smell or, or like that that i know no 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 but if it's like a pile of clothes like meh that's for that clothes that's what clothes live now <laughs> Like, yeah. i
1: get it i mean i think i fall on the more like organized spectrum um and i i try to keep things together but like sometimes i'll still fall off and what i've found is because sometimes If you haven't cleaned your closet or your room or whatever in like a week or longer, it can pile up and then it can feel overwhelming. And then I'm sure it could trigger that executive dysfunction (laughs) that we might be having because you're like, ah, I'm literally looking at a mountain and it feels too big. And like what I'll do is I'll like put on some music that I like and I'll be like, okay, I only have to do this for X amount of time. Like, whatever I can accomplish. Yeah, that's a big thing. Yeah, whatever I can accomplish, 15, 20 minutes, whatever it is that I feel like devoting to it. And then I just move on. I'm like, okay, I did it. I did something. You know, I made a dent. Even if I didn't clean the whole thing, at least I did something. Um, and that tends to make me feel a little bit better.
0: There is a book, because I, I don't, personally, I can't work the Marie Kondo system. Like, I I just, it doesn't work for me, the whole, like, does this spark joy or not thing. And I know it works for some people. It doesn't work for me but there was a book that somebody recommended to me around the time when that was getting traction. Can we swear on this? I don't know what your rating is. So the the book is called Unfuck Your Habitat, and it recommends that system, like you just said, where it basically tells you to work, like, set yourself up to do 20 minutes take a 10 minute break and the 10 minute break is mandatory 20 minutes that you have to keep working 10 minute break is mandatory and then the book does recommend you can change the break you can change the lengths based on your own mental health and physical capabilities so don't it's not like 2010 is a hardwired system it can be 45 15. sure
1: it's just that you have to have a break built in
0: yeah And the reason for that is, is the author said, I forget her name on top of my head, but the the point of it was that if you, let's say you go to clean your room and it's a really bad mess Mm -hmm. and you spend four hours on it and it's still a bad mess at the end of the four hours, you might be very self-defeated. Like, wow, I worked for so hard and so long and what did I even do for it? Whereas if you do it in these little 20 minute chunks, you actually see the progress more incrementally as you go. And she's like, She's like, you can clean off a counter in 20 minutes and have a nice clean space that you might not have thought would have been clean in 20 minutes. And then the break is so that you actually do have a chance to kind of wind down and relax and you're not just going and going and going until you burn out. That's
1: so smart. And like, I think I'm a very visual person. So that resonates with me because if you look at a whole house that's a mess, uh, then like it can be really defeating. Like actually the house that I'm living in right now, uh, it was... um, So my fiance's grandma, she was living here and she was like a low key hoarder um, and she had passed and, you know, now we live here. But like for two full months, I was cleaning out this house and it was really difficult for me because I'm a neat kind of person. And when you walk into a house that's like that, you're just like, where do I even start? You know, it does feel very defeating. So it it, I kind of did that. In a different way where it was just like, okay, today we're just doing this one room, just the one room. We're going to ignore the rest of the rooms that are all terrible. And we're going to like, I even took before and after photos and that helped me too. Cause like visually I could see like, okay, like I've cleared out 10 different boxes. I did something today.
0: Yeah. When I was home in Ohio and we moved my mom, my mom's a pretty neat person, but she might be like a neat hoarder. Um, And she tried to move from the house that I grew up in, which was like, a four level split and was like several hun I can't remember how many square feet but it was a pretty decent sized house it was a house that you know my, my parents raised two kids in, occasionally three when my stepbrother lived with us or half not stepbrother half brother I miss that's school. okay um but that kind of yeah. thing and She tried to move to a house that was about a third the size of that house and was like a a ranch house in a different area. And when we first moved her in, it looked like it looked like a house you would see on hoarders. (laughs) It was just piles of boxes everywhere. And she was able to do the Marie Kondo thing once she moved in. But she didn't do the work before she moved to clear stuff out for the move. And the reason why is because. A lot had changed for her in about nine months. My father had passed away. Then she had to move out of her house. I mean, they were going to anyway, but it went from being my mom and my dad were going to get a smaller house together to being now she has to get a smaller house because she can't afford this big house by herself. And also the big house makes her sad because it reminds her of my dad. And then COVID happened. And then she also retired from her teaching job. And, you know, a lot of things happened. It all was at just once. too much
1: all at once. And like she probably like I'm sure she eventually, like you said, wanted to let go of these things, but she wasn't. Fully ready, yet?
0: What she said about it, I think she was very astute in realizing this later, was she said, keeping my stuff was the thing that I had power over. Like, I could say, this is I don't want to get rid of my stuff. I like my stuff. I'm keeping it. And so, even though... And it was a thing where when we moved, like we filled the stuff up and we got it to her house and everybody, nobody knew what to say to her because we were all looking around like there's no room in this house. Like the bathroom was full of boxes in the bathtub and things like that. And it was like, yeah, this is this is not a tent. This is not um, what's the word I'm looking for. Um, sustainable, I guess is the word I'm looking for. It wasn't what I wanted, but it's no, fine.
1: I get you. I mean, it's it's not livable because she had moved into this new space and it was just becoming inconvenient for her.
0: It sounds yeah. like. But she And she did get, she got it taken care of pretty fast. I think once she sat and looked at it, she had her kind of wallow in it moment Mm -hmm. the first weekend she was there. But over like two or three weeks, she had it to a livable place. And then what she also did was she eventually had an addition built on the house, which is what she was planning on doing when she bought it. So she just like made the understanding to herself like, I do need to put some stuff in storage for a while and let it be out of the way, get the addition ha- built on, and then I can bring some of the furniture back in the house and stuff like that. But but it was very much a glimpse of my own future because I'm, I'm a much more cluttery person than she ever was. And now I'm like, oh, God, am I going to be someday or I'm, I'm going to be moving into like a nursing home or something and I'm not going to have any room for my stuff? What am I going to do? Are you so, a
1: sentimental yeah. kind of person? Do you hang on to stuff? Oh.
0: 100% I am, yeah. And I, I need to be careful. I need to be better about that. I need, what I'm trying to do is now is like get like small things that remind me of stuff.
1: Oh, when you travel, you get like souvenirs and stuff?
0: Yeah, and I still have all of my Christmas cards from this year up on a table because Christmas cards, my birthday right by Christmas too. So I have all my birthday cards, Christmas cards, and then any cards I've gotten since then on a table outside my room. Because at the time, I was like, oh, it feels really nice to have these like, warm, positive messages right outside my bedroom door, so I'll leave them there. But there is like now I'm starting to get into that mindset where like, should I get rid of these cards? They have been there for three or four months now. Maybe it's time to get rid of them. But then I'm like, but I like them. But I
1: I tend to be sentimental, too. And what I do is like I'll keep the cards for a few months or whatever, and then I'll go back and like look through the cards. And it's not fully Marie Kondo, but like if there's one that I read and it makes me feel really good, then I'm like, okay, I'm going to keep that one. And if there's another one that's just like, okay, like, fine, I get rid of it, you know? Yeah.
0: I have a feeling once I actually decide to get, I'm just going to scoop them all up and just toss them on a recycling bag somewhere and that's great. But I think it's, and the thing is I could probably use that table for things that are cluttering my room up. I could probably use it for good storage <laughs> stuff. Cause that's like one thing I'm finding is part of why my room is so cluttered is because I'm not utilizing the rest of the space in my apartment for storage because I've always felt like, even though we have this really big living room that we almost never use for anything. And, but because it's a common area, I've always felt weird putting like, Like my stuff in there, but I've kind of taken this room over because I've been working out of it for a year now, and so now I'm like, well, now am I just conquering this room as my expansion project for this apartment? But you know, I get
1: it. I mean, when I used to live with roommates, I remember the the idea of putting a desk in the common area was kind of like, oh, I don't know, like I don't know if this is okay, or like I don't want to invade other people's space, and so you know, I totally get it.
0: Um, I, I am grateful that. So I, I'm at my desk because my work computer has to be plugged into the router. It doesn't have Wi-Fi. Mm. And so luckily for that reason, I set up my office downstairs. We're, we're, we're in a townhome. I'm set up downstairs and not in my room because I'm right by the router. And I'm so grateful for that because I can't imagine how much worse it would have been, been for me mentally to have been in my room all day, every day for the last year. Like oh, okay. even the act of like going downstairs to where there's more natural lighting and I'm leaving this one room for another room has helped me compartmentalize like work time and leisure time and stuff I like that. I think that's so. a huge
1: tip for people like with you with your mental health, if you're working from home is, is having a separation between your bedroom yeah. and the desk. And like even if you can, if you can, yeah. you know, um, I mean, I, I remember, yeah, the last roommate situation I was in, it wasn't really possible. And I was having my desk inside of my room. But what I would try to do is go for as many walks as possible and just like have the change of scenery. And also like I would yeah. make my bed and like really kind of like sh- make the space feel more formal during the day uh, and like change the lighting at night a little bit. So,
0: Yeah. One thing I've been very good about since it all began is not starting to work in my pajamas. <laughs> like even when I'm even when I'm going to be home all day and I mean, granted, I have made a huge shift from being someone who wears skirts and dresses every day to being someone who wears leggings, as pants on almost every day mm-hmm. in the last year. And I might go back dressing nicer when I'm out in public more often again, but. For at home, I definitely am a leggings girl right now, but it's still not my pajamas. It's still like I'm putting on a nice clean shirt and I'm putting on a bra and I'm like, I'm actually treating myself like it's a day of my life as opposed to like being like, well, I'm in my PJs still because if I, I feel like for me this is not on anybody else's judgment but for me i feel like when i finally if i ever finally break and just wear pjs all day that i'm never going back to clothing again <laughs> and i don't want to be that person so I need, I need i need that structure of like telling myself this is when your day begins and then changing into my pajamas at the end of it and be like okay now you're getting ready to wind down and go to i bed. feel
1: the same so. even if you're going from night pajamas to day pajamas just put yeah. on a different outfit
0: I mean, what are leggings <laughs> if not day pajamas? I mean really
1: Basically, yes, like more socially acceptable pajamas. And I honestly, like, I think I've always thought of you as a dress kind of gal. So I, I have faith that when we open up again you're gonna you're gonna be pulling out those skirts and those dresses and all yeah. that stuff. It's
0: well, one thing I have learned in the last few months, especially, is that my thighs and leggings do not get along on a long term basis. Oh. So I do think that I will have to go back to because I, I don't I don't want to just burn through leggings on like for like every few months like I have been. So that doesn't seem very sustainable. So I think I'll definitely switch back to skirts and dresses as things go. And especially because I mean, things are opening up in L.A. right when it gets hot for the year and. You know, dresses are the way of of keeping cool in the summer. So. Oh my God!
1: Today I was talking to someone because I was like, "Yeah, I had my first dose of my vaccine.
0: Grass. Thank you so
1: much." Uh, I went and got
0: what 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 house are you?
1: Uh, Moderna.
0: <laughs> Me too. Congratulations! <laughs> I love that you are pretending doll. this is a
1: Harry Potter thing.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> um, and she was like, "Yeah," there was like an overheard thing that was like, "I'm I'm vexed and waxed, and I'm ready for <laughs> summer." <laughs>
0: yeah well not quite there yet no yeah. i know
1: i just uh, it's funny yeah, yeah. that that's no like- i'm
0: saying yeah yeah no i think it's hilarious <laughs> i'm saying like i'm like i'm like i'm actually having a bit of like anxiety now as we're like heading up to re-entry i'm like am i gonna be able to do the re-entry it's gonna be it's gonna take me a little while i think to coax back into social stuff i and it was it's funny because i don't i i actually recently watched a documentary on hbo about introverts and extroverts and how a lot of those personality tests like there's, it's really a fascinating documentary about. um the like seedy and insidious side of personality tests and like the shadiness of really? them and how yeah I reckon what was it called? Um persona, the secrets. Yeah, and it, it completely changed my mind about how I feel about personality tests now. But um I I I would say that shockingly, despite like playing DDB professionally and doing stand-up and improv, I've tended to always identify more as an introvert as an adult because I do have like moments where I hit walls and I need like spoons recharged and stuff like that. But then like there was a while there where I was like, yeah, as soon as, as soon as lockdown's over, I'm going to go back to playing D&D in person and hang out with my friends and going out to karaoke and stuff like that. But now I'm like, oh, boy, uh, it's getting uh, like, well, I had a friend today who went to the, like the taste of Universal thing at Universal Studios where they're like like previewing the reopening of the park and they had like food stalls and stuff set up. And I was like, I don't think that I could go somewhere even if I was fully vaxxed right now. I don't think that I would yet be able just to walk into a crowded space like Universal and just walk around where a lot of people are going to be at right now. I think I would have to, like, work my way. up. No, it's
1: absolutely overwhelming. I agree. I think it's like little baby steps, you know, like I think that what I plan to do is like, okay, I'll invite a few friends over. We'll hang in my yard, you know, I'll I'll do like, you know, these smaller hangs and then we'll, we'll work our way up.
0: Yeah, I think that's the way I'm going to have to do it too. That's why like, I'm really excited about playing D&D with people in person again because it's like a casual thing that we're all just kind of like chilling around doing it. A- Probably could play in someone's backyard if it's warm enough mm-hmm. outside and like it's not too hot outside in the summer. So that'll be nice. I remember I I was at one point Still considering going home for the holidays this year and like trying to be safe about it. And then as as numbers went up and up, I was like, I, ta- I was like, this is not smart, and I shouldn't do it. And so I canceled my trip. And I remember people saying, like, you know, they they don't fill the center seat up. The flight isn't actually that bad. And I'm like, I'm not worried about the flight. I'm worried about everything in between leaving my apartment and getting on the plane. I'm worried about the crowd. And every time I saw a photo of a crowded airport this year and people just jammed into airports. I just like tensed up and I'm like, I am so glad that I am not in that room. No. Right that would have been horrible. I haven't
1: flown at all since before the pandemic. And um, I think if I if I had to, like for work or whatever, which I would, I would probably just go full, like, I mean, uh, I don't know if you've seen Naomi Campbell. <laughs> she's like my pandemic inspo, uh, on her YouTube. She she's been a germaphobe forever, like since before it was cool. She's always been someone who wipes down her entire seat in the airplane. And she did another video this time where it was like her flying in the middle of the pandemic. She didn't want to, but she had to. And she had like a full um, hazmat suit on, you know. Oh, my gosh. And like the masks and the shield. And my favorite, favorite part of this was that she took a Burberry cape and draped it over her hazmat suit. She made it fashion. (laughs) That's
0: awesome. Yeah, I I did not fly. I had tickets to fly home for April for Thanksgiving for Easter last year, and I canceled those pretty early on. Like oh, basically, as soon as the airlines were like, "Yeah, we'll give you refunds on tickets," I'm like, "Boom, taking it." um And that's when I thought it would be like a few months and maybe back to normal, which was so foolish of me. But when I actually when I went home for the summer, I drove. I drove across the entire country because I had to take my computer for work. With How me. was that?
1: I've always wanted to do a cross country road trip. Was it fun?
0: I've done it a few times it was definitely more tense than it normally is. Um, but yeah, it was, it was kind of nice to have that little bit even it's weird to say this after the year that I've had to be like, Oh, it was nice to be alone with my thoughts, <laughs> but it kind of was, it was kind of like nice to not be like at a computer and to like, listen to the radio and just like watch out, look out the window and see the country and stuff like that. It's, I'm, I'm a big fan of it. I don't want to do it again for a very long time. Cause I did it twice in the summer and that was great, but um, I'm getting older and it's not, it's, i like to do it at a time where I don't feel as constrained by a clock. That's true. Because even this time when I did it, I felt like I had to get home by a certain time so I could get back to work and I'd be making. I was like really stressed out this year about money because of like, oh, what if I lose my job and I can't afford to live in this pandemic time period and there's no there's no jobs anywhere and stuff like that. So I got like really in my head about it. So like the idea of even taking one extra day off of work before starting back felt like I, untenable. To it me was to too do. much. Although. Yeah. I, Yeah, although it ended up being, I probably could have taken more time off because I didn't go home for the holidays, so I didn't take holiday time off, so I could have done it, but yeah, I, the thing, that like, this is a weird thing, like, for me, is that, like, I've driven past the Grand Canyon probably five times in my life, and I've never gone to the Grand Canyon, because every time I've made that trip, I've had this sense of, like, I have to get to a certain place at a certain time, I have to make good time today, so I... Want to be able to do the same exact trip with somebody, maybe instead of by myself, but also where like I don't really have to be anywhere by a certain time. So maybe I will just spin off and look at like I've done a couple of like, oh, I saw the petrified forest or whatever, but I want to go into all these little tchotchke shops that are yeah. selling like Route 66 stickers and things like that. And, it's Although it's scary because there's a lot of parts in the Southwest where it's like, this place is like, we're selling dinosaurs and knives. And like, that's what we got. And that's, <laughs> I don't think like, I need to stop dinosaurs there. Dinosaurs
1: and <laughs> knives. Yeah, that's the that's perfect combo. Yeah. Yeah. No.
0: And the, the first two times, ta- the first few times I did it when I was younger, I wasn't out and transitioning yet. This time I'm very visibly a trans woman. So it was nice to have a mask on. It was very nice to be able to like kind of blend in a little yeah. bit more.
1: But. Yeah. You know, what's funny is that I realized that, like almost this entire hour is gone by and we barely touched on any of that stuff. Uh, not that we totally need to, because you're, you have a million facets to your personality, but like, um, being like, um, I didn't even think about that. Like it, it, I read your post the other day, or maybe it was today where you were like, oh, I'm, I'm nervous about reentering because being at home, you haven't had to be misgendered because you haven't been out in public and like the, um, anxiety and every, all the feelings that might come up about like going into a store and having them use the wrong pronouns. I mean, that's got to be tough. I mean, how, how do you deal with that um, on a day-to-day basis when when you are more out in the world?
0: I mean, it depends on the day, mm-hmm. really, because some days I just let it go and it's fine because I'm just used to it. And like, I know who I am. I know what I look like. And I'm not ashamed of who I am or what I look like most days. So it's not a big deal. But it was something that I don't think I realized how much it happened to me until this year when it hasn't been happening and like realizing like i remember i had one day where i told a friend i was like i don't remember the last time that i actually felt dysphoria like about my gender and i don't know i can't think of a time in my life where that wasn't true and so it is weird to be like and i, I was like that's a that's a pretty silver lining on a pretty dark cloud of a year sure Like I would I would not trade having had this year and like all the like pandemic stuff for that lack of a dysphoric feeling. Mm -hmm. But it is a weird, like bright thing that I've looked at in the last year. And like it is a thing that now that it's going to come to an end, it's going to take some adjusting, getting back to it. I think it's going to feel a little bit like it did when I first came out and when I was first going out in public and kind of not as sure of myself and when I was like maybe first testing the waters of going out, dressing in women's clothing and reading as very visibly male and, and kind of having that thing, like, are people going to be cool? Like that kind of feeling in the back of my head. And I'm hoping that I can get past it quickly. And I kind of hope like, you know, I will say it's funny. One of the most comfortable times I ever had in that era of my life was when I went to Boston for the, the women's comedy festival in Boston and being like so afraid that i was gonna like i did like I, you always hear about boston you know and you think <laughs> it's gonna be whatever and i remember being i got on the wrong bus and i was like stuck on the i, I went the wrong wrong way sure. and i got in the middle of nowhere and it was terrifying and i had to get on these trains to get back to my hotel and i was on the exact what seemed like the horror story bus to be on nobody cared because everybody's got their own stuff to worry about and like nobody nobody on the bus i mean like Look, they're going to be assholes everywhere. I got I got beat up in a subway station in Los Angeles on Pride weekend. So it's not like I think like L.A. is the Shangri-La of of queer like 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 acceptance. So sorry or whatever, that because happened to you. That's that terrible. Ha- oh, thank you. That was actually not actually not long about close to the same time the Boston thing happened. But um, so it's like but at the same time when I was on that when I was I was that night when I was like going back. Nobody in the bus cared who I was or what I looked like because they all just wanted to go home after a day of work. You know, they're not like they're not like focused on this this trans person on the bus. They just want to go home. And I, so it's it's so funny how you like build your own brain up with like prejudices for certain areas and think, like, oh, it's going to be terrible. And then nobody cares. And I'm hoping that what happens now is that when we get out of quarantine People were just like, I'm just so glad to be outside. I don't care what color your hair is or, or what you're wearing. Just like, I don't want to be in the house with my kids anymore. So, I mean, it could you know. be.
1: It could be. I mean, let, let's. I don't know why this person hope.
0: hates their kids. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I don't have kids. I've, I've got pets. But I, I would say that uh, everyone I know who is a parent is very ready to be away from their kids right now.
0: Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah. So and
1: I, I give a lot of credit to people who are helping their kids with distance learning uh and all the various challenges that come with just entertaining a child while also probably trying to work from home or whatever else it is that you have to do as an adult so
0: yeah i definitely have heard some parents in (laughs) quarantine say that they never want to hear their non-children having friends talk about being bored ever (laughs) like i'm you how dare you yeah
1: Yeah. how dare you? i don't get to be bored
0: right yeah like that kind of thing (laughs) i wish i could be bored yeah yeah
1: um Do you have any advice, like, if there's someone who is younger or hasn't, like, they're struggling with their gender identity, they haven't figured it out yet, or maybe they're afraid to come out, um, is there anything, any words of wisdom that you could impart to someone?
0: Yeah, I think that... With the caveat that you know your life better than I do, and you know what things are actually dangerous for you and know what to avoid with that caveat. I I think that for me, a lot of I, I feel like a lot of the not knowing was scarier than what actually happened after I came out. Like I used to have really, really bad insomnia when I was younger because I was always like dreading how the world would treat me once I became who I was, right? And the thing is, like all that. the actual anger and hate that's out there exists, whether you come out or not. And like, if you feel like it's safe in your life to do it, like it's probably better to be out and know than it is to constantly live in dread that you'll be caught or Mm. you won't know or something. So that's kind of an oversimplification. It's obviously like different for everybody, but I also think that like, I am of the mindset that it's okay to experiment and explore and try different hats on and don't worry so much about, right away about what label fits you the best. I think I think it's better to think of labels like you would think of clothing in that they stretch and are malleable and like you don't need to reshape your body to fit certain clothing. Like you like you don't have to have like that's a pretty oversimplification as well, but like you I think a lot of people are like, well am I this thing or am I this thing? I have to figure out exactly how to define myself or I I need to stay in the closet. And I don't think you need to do that. I think that it's very healthy and Okay to explore different identities or pronouns or pronouns identities yeah, yeah and just yeah, and sexuality like you know if, if you if you feel safe and comfortable and you want to experiment with different kinds of partners until you know as long as you're open and honest to everybody like don't don't leave people on or anything, but if you you know if you don't know what it is have have safe intelligent exploration of it and find your way i think I think that there's a lot of. Like, and I think even if you end up not being queer, I think that like it's okay if you ultimately decide that, you know what, that wasn't for me and I'm glad I did it. Like, I don't think it makes, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I think that like letting yourself and letting others have the space to find themselves is a way we could all move forward. And I I like it because I feel like if we can be a little bit more comfortable with letting people have the space to explore, I think that will help to reduce a lot of the phobias and the ignorance about identities because if it stops being like a thing that you always think of like oh only certain people do that and instead you think of like well anybody could try this and 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 walk in these shoes i think could really help get some empathy and some ideas out there yeah because so. it
1: would erase the stigma around it if you could just say like i mean i'll just throw this out there but in the spirit of erasing the stigma of it you know like i've experimented with women before. Uh, Do I consider myself to be like queer or a lesbian? No, but like I was figuring things out and I like you said, I was pretty open and honest about it. I was just like, hey, I want to try this. Let's have a safe, consensual fun.
0: Yeah. Fine. Well, they talk about how like so much of like a lot of people who are homophobic are homophobic because of their own latent desires or thoughts or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think there are probably a lot of men who like like straight or people who identify as straight men who are homophobic who probably have like explored in pornography or like nothing like that and like or fantasies, but then get caught up in the idea of actually doing it and like get angry or violent about oh, it. Oh yeah. And I wonder if those same people might even be straight men who just have gotten fixated on this particular kind of porn or whatever. And that's it. And move on and clear out. And that's, again, very oversimplifying. But again, (laughs) everyone
1: has their own journey. I mean, obviously, it's kind of crazy to say, like, oh, one piece of advice is going to work for every single person who is questioning their gender or sexuality. But, you know, it's nice to hear from someone who's come out on the other end of it. Like, you just seem very, like, at least from my perspective, very happy and comfortable and well adjusted in, like, your identity. So.
0: Yeah, because I, I did go through some experimenting. I, I definitely, I used to identify as bisexual. I definitely experimented sexually. I definitely experimented with gender. Mm-hmm. I know before I officially decided to transition, I definitely would say that I, there was a point in time where I told people my pronouns were he, she, or they just don't be a dick about it. Like that was kind of my my rule of thumb. Mm-hmm. And it was only it was actually only really after I got assaulted that I was like, no, it actually really matters to me to be seen as as the woman that I am, and that's what I identify as. And I don't want to be that's who I am. And I don't want people to think that they can call me anything and I'll be fine with it because that's not true. And That's when I and so I I used to say that I was gender fluid and then I was like, I'm not really gender fluid. I'm a woman. And that's what I am. And I'm not going to, like, try to sugarcoat it to make cis people or straights happy anymore. I'm just going to be myself. And I don't know if I would have gotten there as easily if I hadn't given myself the space to try it on and and play with it and see. Yeah,
1: because you probably weren't ready immediately to go there. It takes it takes time. It's it's a journey.
0: Well, there's so much cultural programming that that's like transphobic and homophobic and misogynistic and things like that. And you really have to kind of spend time unpacking those things. And, you know, it's always interesting when I talk to people. I remember when I, I was on Tumblr for a long period of time in like the early 2010s when I was still finding myself. And there there were people who were coming out around that time whose parents had been teenagers when I was a teenager or younger. Sure. And The thing is, like, I'm not trying to forgive people for not being cool about their kids being queer because, like, I have had family members of mine who weren't cool about it at first and took a while and some who were still having a hard time calling me by my right name and my gender Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And I get frustrated and I get really hurt by it. But I also know that, like... I grew up and I am a queer person who grew up in Ohio. And I remember we never really talked about people being queer until Ellen came out. And that was like the first time where that was like a conversation we were having or allowed to have. And I think there's a lot of people like that who then have kids who grew up in an era where it's not like that. And it's a lot easier to talk about it and be open about it and explore it. And I think there is a clash of that, like, we never really had this on our minds and now suddenly we do and we're supposed to be cool about it. And I think there are parents who aren't necessarily homophobic, but who just never really had the language growing up to talk about it or just didn't know and there's also people who internalize when their kids come out this idea of like oh what did i do wrong that my kid never felt they could talk to me about this before and you know that is to some degree making it about yourself which is obviously a thing to be concerned about but also it doesn't necessarily mean they're coming from a place of hate so it's very much a like hey yes, you deserve to be validated, you deserve to be loved and told that you're beautiful and worthy love for who you are. But if you have the capacity for a little bit of patience, and you can show that compassion back to the people in your lives, like, I think that will help you out a lot in the long run.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, there is a different there is definitely a big uh, generational shift that has gone on around these issues. So now it's like the people who are in Gen Z feel like very, like a lot of them feel a lot more open and free to explore these things than we did, you know? Yeah,
0: totally. And that's great. And their kids are going to, their kids are going to both in a way, you know, their kids are gonna be like, you're still talking about duh, gender. We're all, yeah, whatever. So. Yeah,
1: no, I think it's, it's really cool. Um, but I think also just kind of giving grace to the parents or the other family members who are older, not saying like, Oh, it's okay to be, um, transphobic or homophobic,
0: but like, right. I'm not talking about things coming from places of hate. I'm talking about things coming from people who are not understanding or trying to learn. Yeah. Like yeah. if someone
1: just genuinely does not know, like giving them room to learn about it is I think yeah. a great, a great place to come from. So I think that's, that's really cool. Um, so before we go, uh, I want to mm-hmm. ask you, there's a little segment I do with all of my guests called hot tips, hot tips, hot tips, hot tips. Bam, bam, bam. When you have a bad day, Whether that's like, uh, I don't know, a stand up set that doesn't quite go the way that you might like or, uh, you know, your room's really messy. It's got you down. I don't know what it is for you. Um, What do you do to turn that around um, to put yourself in a better mood?
0: You know what I've been doing lately that I've been really happy about is so Disney plus recently added the entire run of the Muppet show, the classic Muppet show to their lineup. And I'm a gigantic Muppet fan. Like I grew up, I've watched, I've I've seen all of this before in my childhood and all the Muppet movies and stuff like that and all the hints and stuff. So when they did that, what I decided was I'm not going to binge this instead. I'm going to watch it slowly and at my own pace. And so when I've had like a really rough day or I'm just exhausted at the end of a day, I will throw on one episode and I'll watch it. maybe two if I need it, but for the most part, one episode and I'll get that one half hour of just silly absurdity and just like goofiness. And that has been super helpful for me, especially the last couple of months since they launched it as just having that like beacon of like, you know what this completely timeless sort of just like there are some things, even Muppets. I love the Muppets. There are some times that they've gotten some stuff wrong with like racial identities and stuff like that, racial representations. And they they got disclaimers saying, hey, this was wrong then, it's wrong now. And like I think it's great they're acknowledging that. But for the most part, it is just warm-hearted, good, clean, fun. No hate Yeah, no hate-based comedy. And I love it. So. That's
1: great. The Muppets. I love the Muppets. I haven't watched them in a long time. Maybe I need to throw that on tonight. A little palate yeah, cleanser. Go for it
0: yeah if you, if you don't need if you're not someone like me who has to watch things in order for the most part i will say that the in my opinion the best episode of the show ever was when harry belafonte hosted it's it's delightful and it has a really gorgeous uh finale number so
1: that is a that is a hot tip i'm excited
0: i'm gonna check it out
1: um well cool thank you so much for coming on the show riley um and i i really appreciate you being here uh what do you have coming up that you're excited about or where can people check you out
0: well you can find me on twitter at rally j silverman and on instagram at RallySilverman. silverman and then i actually just joined an improv group called ripley improv i've been working with them a lot already over the last couple of years as a collaborator uh in some in some role-playing game stuff and also in some improv shows and they were very kind enough to ask me if i wanted to become an actual member this year and i was very i was very uh, i was like well it's a lot of a lot of effort but i'm gonna do it so i decided i decided to give it a try and i I really enjoyed what I've done with them so far. And we have a really cool show that I can't quite talk about yet coming up in May that we'll talk about more once it gets announced. But I got to be a guest star at the very end of the run of their last show, which is really fun. It's called Heartbeats, and it is an improvised medical drama. And so it's basically like an improv version of Grey's Anatomy. Wow. And it is a hospital drama. It's an hour long of improv and it's very funny, but there are major soap opera moments in it. And they did 16 episodes. I guest starred in a couple of the last ones cause I came in later in the se- season run, but they're all on YouTube. Now it's on the Ripley improv YouTube channel. And I, I, my friend Jessica Inverdi was the creator of it she co-produced it with Mary Shifo who was on Star Trek and they're both fantastic and they created this really genius show and It was all done over Zoom, but they they came up with some really amazing technical things to do to make it not feel as much like a Zoom show. And I can't recommend it enough. We had so much fun doing it, like a lot of like fun backgrounds. We did some cool special effects. And you as the season goes on and as they got more and more brave with like finding things to experiment with as far as tech goes. it's kind of mind blowing how good it gets. Wow, that's so fun. Yeah, so it's called Heartbeats and it's on the Ripley Improv YouTube channel. Okay,
1: yeah. No, everyone should check that out. And um, yeah, I appreciate you being here. Uh, any, anything else that you want to share with us, uh, before you go?
0: Uh, you know what, actually there's a really cool thing that is happening at the beginning of May called Jasper's game week. And it is a D and D like marathon, essentially. This is the first year I'm involved with it. I'm running a game for it on, I think May 3rd, but in general, it's a marathon of shows of people playing D and D in order to raise money for suicide prevention so it is it is a really good cause about mental health and and like up uplifting people and giving voices and helping people feel less alone and so because it's a mental health podcast talk about D &D, it feels that is huge yes
1: no uh please tag me or send me those posts i will push that out there because um obviously like i'm very passionate about suicide prevention um that's something that affects everyone
0: and I'm, I'm running a show on it, but there were some like big, big name celebrity like Anthony Rapp and folks like that. And like Deborah Ann Wool are doing shows for it. So it's, it's called Jasper's Game Week. And it, it was originally Jasper's Game Day. And it's because so many great folks have wanted to be part of it that it's just expanded into this bigger, bigger, bigger thing every year. That so. is
1: beautiful. And I think like also just like a great note to end on just to let people know, like, you know what? You're not alone. People do care about you. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope that it inspired you or made you feel a little bit less alone about whatever it is that you're going through right now. Um, I think Riley just really dropped a lot of wisdom on us. So I'm just sitting here and absorbing all of it, really. And I, I love the idea of allowing yourself to explore your different identities and not feeling like you have to box yourself in. So. I'm going to leave you with that. Uh, And if you want to learn more about Riley or the show, you can go check out our episode guide at crimebehindpod.com. Riley is in a horror comedy that's coming out soon called Too Late with Fred Armisen and Ron Lynch. So that's something that we can definitely check out as well as uh, Ripley Improv that she's a part of. And they do uh, shows online so you can watch it from wherever you are and I've been your host, Katie Dahl. So uh, if you want to check me out on social media, that's K-A-T-Y-D-O-L-L-E on all of the socials. Socials? I don't know. I, I was trying a d- new a brief out there. I don't know if it worked for me or not. <laughs> so anyway, uh, until next time, step outside, put on your sunglasses and stay cool, stay present, stay sunny. <laughs> Ear here.